I guess my career is a little bit different than most people. Trading is a career that, that you have to deal with failure very, very often, especially when you're trading your own money. I moved to a career where, you know, if I don't do a deal, I'm not going to make any money, but I'm not going to lose, you know. In trading, you know, I've gotten beaten hard a few times. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Today on the show, I have Dan Mizrahi. Dan started in the mortgage business only four years ago. And not only did he start a new career, but he actually changed cities. So he moved to a new city. And in a very short period of time, has got his business up to 30 million in production. 2019, he did 30 million. 2018, he did about 15 million in production. Huge jump and has goals for even bigger uh, increases this year. In this episode, we talk about how he did that. Dan is one of our alumni from our 10 loans a month program. He came to us in February, 2019 and had some big goals and uh, he set them and and he smashed them for 2019. And I have no doubt he's going to do the same for 2020. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Dan. This episode is sponsored by Finmo. Finmo is Canada's fastest growing mortgage origination platform. This is according to Phylogics. A couple things I love about Finmo. First, they designed the app from the ground up with the borrower in mind, which means the, the app is super easy to use, reduces friction, makes it really simple for you to collect the application from the client. Second, they make document collection easier because it has intelligent smart docs. They'll basically, as the client fills with the application, it'll know what documents to ask for. It'll send them that list and the client can upload those right to a portal so you can grab them. And then finally, they recognize that, hey, mortgage brokers, we're all different. We like to run our business differently. And so they built Finmo to integrate with Zapier, and which means that Finmo can actually connect with almost any app out there. So it's very, very flexible. So check out Finmo. Go to finmo.ca slash Scott. That's finmo.ca slash Scott to sign up for Finmo. You'll receive a 30-day free trial of Finmo. They have amazing customer support and can help you hit the ground running. Finmo is the skip the dishes of the mortgages. Check out Finmo and check out this interview with Dan. Hey, Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me. So, hey, man, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the mortgage business? And how long have you been in the business? I've been in the business, June will be four years. Prior to that, I was in finance. I traded interest rates. And I did that for about 20 years. And then, you know, interest rates went from, you know, when I started, probably 8 or 9% to half a percent. So... How do you trade uh, interest rates? I used to trade the spread on the Bank of Canada. It's called a BACS, three-month banker acceptance. BACS futures are what we price bonds off of that we price mortgages off of. So mm-hmm. in Montreal in the late 90s, there was, a, well, I guess from 90 to 2000, there was an actual futures pit, you know, like they have in Chicago. Yeah. I got a job there after university. I went to Concordia. Got a job there. It was a really cool place and really fun and made a lot of money because, you know, we were young and finance there was really good. They shut it down in the year 2000, I think, and we went on to the computers, but we were basically trading the spread, you know, very small spread, but the leverage in futures is quite large. So I did that for a long time. And over the course of the years, you know, as they lowered rates, it became harder and harder and younger guys came in and became really about, you know, speed rather than knowing what you were doing. It became right. more of a mechanical trade, you know, getting too old. And I got a job offer in Toronto to become a, an agent for a large developer, like an in-house 
just thought that, you know, with my skills and I was looking for something else to do. And so I got a job in Toronto with a large developer. This is a mortgage person, right? Yeah, Not a mortgage person. I took my, you know, I was in Montreal. I took my Ontario license because originally I was from Toronto anyway. And I said, I want to try something new. I think I can take my skills and translate them into something else. It was a little bit scary because I did it for 20 years, but I said, I'd give it a try. And then the guy that was trained me there left pretty much about six months after and I became the lead agent and I was thrust into doing some in-house business, which was a kind of boon to my business a little bit. And I learned how to do higher volume mortgage business and also I learned how to do commercial stuff because the person that hired me was a developer as well. And, you know, the reason they had an in-house person was to do their stuff more so, so they could get it done for cheap. Right. There was an ulterior motive there. Okay. So it was a little bit of an ulterior motive. It was great for me. I mean, uh, I developed some, you know, some clients earlier maybe than some other people, but I, and I learned a ton and I was thrust into it. And sometimes, you know, nobody holding your hand is the best way to learn. Yeah. Jump both feet. Okay. So before we dive into the rest of your story, I always like to ask about a quote that said, cause I love quotes. So is there a quote that's had an impact on your life or business? There was one really maybe last year that I saw from Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I believed it for a long time. I've never heard somebody say it quite like that, but basically saying you should have no plan B. Right. right. So beginning of my career, it's like, Hey, if this doesn't work out, I'll go and do this. And it never works. Right. Cause you end up failing at one and going back to doing what you're comfortable with. So, right. you know, I put that on my vision board and it's like, you know, it's kind of worked out now that way. Yeah. If you have one thing I do now, you're not in, you're out. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've seen it too many times. I've done it myself. So I know. Yeah. You have to throw yourself into it. Okay. That's really great. So how have you applied that quote to your life or business? So how have you applied that specifically this idea of both feet in to your, what you're doing? Well, I basically lived in Montreal for about 23 years. And when I made the decision to become a mortgage agent, I said, I'm going to do it in Ontario because it's more lucrative. And, you know, my French was not great and it's a totally different course. So I basically packed up, asked my wife if she would mind if we moved back to Toronto after her being there for 17 years. And we weren't going to do it, you know, all at once. I basically, uh, you know, would drive back and forth every second weekend, but I committed to doing it for probably five or six years. You know, at the end of my training career, I was one foot in, one foot out, and I was scared to make a change, to do something different. And uh, finally, I ripped off the Band-Aid and uh, said, okay, I'm doing this. I'm moving to Toronto and no more, like we said, one foot in, one foot out. I committed to doing it. Right. Okay. So then how was that first year for you? So going from trading and, and even though you understand math and numbers, I have to suspect that it's not like you took clients with you from your trading business into your mortgage business or did you? Because it seems like completely different. No, no I, when I moved back to Toronto, I really didn't have much of a network. You know, I have family and friends and they always say, uh, reach out to your family and friends, but it takes a while. Basically, I just immersed myself in learning about real estate, you know, learning about mortgages. Finance is a little faster paced than real estate is. So, you know, I would go to the office at seven, I'd leave at seven. You know, the realtors that were around would see my face all the time, planted myself. And, you know, I was a little bit older, mid forties when I decided to make a change. And, uh, 
I had to differentiate myself. So I planted myself in the policy books for the five or six lenders that we really dealt with. And I made notes on all of those. And I just tried to educate myself as fast as possible because, you know, I needed to feed a family. And my wife, we had a little bit of money, but she wasn't working. She stayed home with my daughter for a couple of years. So I had to make it work. Right. So that's kind of what I did. And in the first year I, I made enough probably 40 or 50,000 to say, you know what, I think there's a business here. From there, it just organically grew. Right. Okay. So that's fantastic. So what about this? So I know that you had this other career that you were in for a long time, but obviously we all go through failures. So what's a failure? Something you failed at, but now looking back, there was actually a lesson in it for you. Because I always find in the rearview mirror, there's always some learning. So what's something that you can think of that you failed at and learn from it? I guess my career is a little bit different than most people. Trading is a career that, that you have to deal with failure, you know, very, very often, especially when you're trading your own money. You know, like I, I moved to a career where, you know, if I don't do a deal, I'm not going to make any money, but I'm not going to lose, you know. In trading, you know, I've gotten beaten hard a few times, more than a few times in my career, and basically learned that the first loss is always your best loss. I've taken that into my business now, you know, like don't spend that much time on a file that you know you're probably not going to win or a file that you probably can't fund or you're not going to, you know, beat uh, RBC or whatever. So, you know, when I was trading, I took some hard beats. We had to deal with taking losses very, very quick. So were you trading with your own money or with like an institutional yeah. money? So I was a broker for a bit. And then the majority of my time, I was a prop trader for a while, meaning, you know, there was a brokerage that I grouped that had money and we'd put up a little bit of money to cover losses, but they would provide the seed capital. So I did that for a while. And then I basically traded my own money. So, you know, when you took a beat, it was like part of your net worth, right? Like we're going through this now with the, coronavirus, right? Like uh, markets are down hard. Like you don't know what happens overnight. And I had many, many nights where I didn't sleep and things like that. So I took that into my business and realized that the, the sun will shine the next day, and, you know, doing mortgages. If I don't do one, it's okay. Most, if it's a zero, like let's say you have a day where you, a zero is better than a minus 15 or $20,000 or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Right. right. That's really interesting, actually. So let me ask you this. Would you mind sharing sort of what your volume progression has been like in the last four years? In 17, I think I did maybe 80 grand in commissions, something like that. And 18, I'm just doing my refining my targets and things like that. I think I only did about 35 deals in 2018, which was probably about 120 grand. Some of them were larger. I did some big ones which helps. And then last year I did 66. Looks like I just asked for it today. I did 66 deals and 30 million volume and just under 300,000 of commission. I was just under because in November I did four commercial deals and uh, for the one developer and because he sends me a lot, I can't charge more than half a percent. Right. Okay. So your first year was like 50, then 70, then 120, then almost 300. Is that about right? Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. If you were starting over today in your business, what would you do in the first 90 days to get your business going? Well, I would probably learn at least one 
high ratio or one lender that, you know, you're going to send a lot of high ratio to. Uh, I'd learn their policy. I do the same, you know, with your conventional lenders. Let's say it's for us, Scotia and TD. I'd learn a couple of B lender policies because you can't spread your business around too much. You don't have a big one. And then I still to this lay am lacking, but I'm really working on it this year, my, uh, my database, right? I'm not into my five years yet where I'm getting renewals and things like that. But, you know, I didn't track my stuff in my first and second year as much as I should. You know, it's more chasing deals than working on your database. And I still chase deals and don't work my database as well as I should. So that's, if you can keep a good database from day one, that would be probably my number one suggestion to a new agent. Right. Okay. So learn some policies from the the different lending partners that you're going to use and then start your database early. And that's something we always talk about all the time too, is just, you've got to be 90% hunting and 10% farming, right? But don't neglect farming. Even at day one, you should start to build your list and as there's money in the list, once you start to build that out. So, yeah. I'm hunting more than I'm farming and I'm going to start farming a little bit more now that I have a larger database. Yeah. And it'll transition over time. You'll become like a lot more farming than hunting and that's fine. You know, it's kind of how society evolved. So that's how your business will evolve as well. All right. So then in terms of like, what's the biggest change you made your business in the last 12 months? That's a good question. Took your course. So that helped. Probably I'm more open to new ideas and I try to really do something every day that I feel uncomfortable doing. So more prospecting. I don't cold call as much as I used to, but for a while I was cold calling realtors, doing stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable. That's a really good point. So has what makes you uncomfortable changed? So like since you put this into practice, doing that one uncomfortable thing a day, like what would have made you uncomfortable six months ago that now you look back and go, oh, that's actually not that hard anymore. You know, that's a good question too. I feel that I have a more stable base of knowledge being in the business almost four years now. And obviously there's agents out there and brokers out there that know way more than me, but I can talk my game and talk shop with any agent out there, like realtor out there and not feel intimidated now. If I'm talking to somebody like you want to give me, like I'm good at what I do. You know, I have a process, you know, I'm broker complete when the client sends me documents, I get stuff done. I was probably intimidated with my skill set and not only calling because it makes you feel uncomfortable, but also, you know, knowledge. And now I feel that, you know, doing more files has helped me. Right. Yeah, that's really good. You know, and I remember what you, so when you came into our program, there was a period where you had shared with me that the manager of your office was like, hey, dude, what are you doing? Because he saw like this spike in your production. And then he, so tell me about that. What happened in that scenario? I left the developer slash brokerage. I came to a new brokerage. They're really, really good. The principal broker is a working broker that's probably a top 10 broker in Canada. He's certainly helped. I like to be around people that are smarter than me. So that certainly helped. So I've learned from him. And then when I started doing all the calls, you know, blocking my time every day to make calls, they were like, what is going on? Can you... Like, looks like your business is doing better. You're getting out there. Can you share some of your knowledge with our junior agents? They actually gave me a bonus for, you know, doing better and also sharing some of my knowledge with some of the juniors. They sent my wife and I for dinner, nice restaurant. You know, they appreciated that I was pouring money back into my business and they saw it in their bottom line too, you know? 
That was awesome. Yeah, I remember when you shared that with me. That was awesome. So what was the biggest takeaway that you got from our program? Another good question. I think the biggest takeaway was, you know, once you get, and I've heard this before, but I never really realized it. You know, we can get so tied up in the minutia of small stuff that at some point your business doesn't grow, right? You can't handle more files. So having a CRM, I remember near the end of it, it was like, you know, you and Steve were like, you got to have a CRM and you got to hire an assistant. And we don't do that fast enough as agents or brokers. So I think that was the biggest takeaway. Aside from, you know, knowing how to scripting and knowing how to talk and putting yourself, you know, your value add to realtors so that you feel comfortable talking to them. I think the biggest takeaway was you can't get help early enough. Like if you really want to get to the next level, you gotta, you got to be willing to invest in your business. So tell me about your team right now that you have. So what's your team structure like? So I have a person that helps me with technology and marketing because we're doing, you know, a lot of social media. We're doing some online lead generation. I'm not a tech person at all. So he's helped, you know, we're using, you know, online applications solely now. You know, I'm really process oriented. I want to be, you know, I want to have all docs up front. So I hired somebody to help me with that. I hired a salesperson slash underwriter to help me process more files because I'm, you know, they're saying act as if, you know, like I'm acting as if I'm doing that triple the business that I'm doing now. You can't just ask for it and then not be able to handle it. So I have that. And then I have, I use my in-house, the broker, you know, I use doc fulfillment in-house. I pay a little bit for files to help them send my documents to the different lenders that we use. Right. So that's like another set of hands for you. Yeah, it's another set of hands. I pay small money for that because I'm pretty efficient and organized. Well, one of the things you mentioned to me before we got on the call, which I thought was clever, is that so with this new person that you hired, you're actually having them kind of work on, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you're having them work in sort of the online lead stuff first, which is a little bit lower risk versus your like referrals. Is that true or is that what you said yeah, to me? Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly like uh, anybody who's done online stuff realizes you get a lot of tire kickers and you'll get some every once in a while if you know how to, to market and do the follow-up. The online stuff is all about the follow-up. How many times can you follow up and almost beat them into submission to giving you stuff? I have her working on that, collecting documents because I don't know them. So, you know, they're not, she's, you know, learning, learning the ropes there and then I can slowly have her start working on the back end in some of my files and teaching her about underwriting a little bit more. Right. I actually think that's pretty clever. Is this person, what kind of experience do they have before they start working for you? I think three years at another high volume mortgage franchise, the top mortgage alliance person, but I think they were doing a lot more B business and a lot more private business than what I do. Mm-hmm. I do some, but you know, so that stuff is a little bit easier to do. Maybe not so much B business, but private business is, you know, a lot of, not a lot of documents and order the appraisal and find the right lender. So, you know, I'm training her into to potentially helping with, you know, I do more A business and some commercial business. So I'm, I'm training her in that. But good experience, great salesperson, but not as experienced on the A side, I guess. Right. What I think is interesting about this whole strategy that you're applying or employing is that you're allowing them to learn, but you're also, you're not at the same time risking your referral relationships like because you get you have referral partners and stuff and so you're kind of doing it slowly right yeah exactly just so i get a sense of this what percentage of your business or leads 
come from, you know, online sources versus referral relationship stuff? Uh, yeah, I think I, well, I get a lot of leads from online, but I bet it's like three to 5% is my online stuff. I got so busy at the end of the year. That's why I ended up having to hire her that I was neglecting my realtor stuff, my realtor relationships. I get a lot of repeat business. Like the one thing about dealing, you know, my, when I first started, I dealt with a lot of people that had multiple properties. So I get a lot of repeat business. And I would say that's the biggest part of my business. Not like refinances, people, you know, multiple properties, rentals. So I would say three to 5% is, you know, online stuff. And we're trying to tweak that so that we get more quality stuff. And then, you know, 60% is my repeat business. And I guess 35% would be uh, realtor referrals. Right. Okay, cool. So I can ask you some rapid fire questions. You can answer these with shorter answers if you like. So what's the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Making phone calls. And what's one habit or a thing that you think has helped you make you successful? Making phone calls. Flip flop. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say like getting out there and like making 10 calls a day or 20 calls a day. Like if nobody knows who you are, right? You got to ask, uh, you got to ask people for business. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Okay, so what's one program or internet, like a resource or software program that you've found that's super helpful for your business? Well, your Facebook group is amazing. I mean, there's a lot of people that share a lot of knowledge. I'm on that, even if I don't post, I post sometimes, but I'm on that quite a bit just to learn. Like, because in the broker channel, there's so many lenders and so many niche products that it's hard to know. So I use the I use I Love Mortgage Brokering, the, the Facebook group, quite a bit. It's like you're crowdsourcing. The only thing is sometimes the crowd can be wrong. So you're like, that's not even true. So you have to, <laughs> you have to apply a little bit of a filter to it because you got to be yeah. like, hold on. No, you're you right. know what you're talking about? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Okay. So if you could recommend one book for listeners, what would it be? Measure What Matters by John Dewar. So what was a big take, just out of curiosity, a big takeaway for you? That's a book I haven't read, but what's a big takeaway that you got from that book? So... A friend of mine, big trader, put me onto it. I guess in the 1980s when Intel was, you know, the, the behemoth that it was, it was very hard to get different divisions to talk to each other, right? So they put together the simple process of, they call them objectives and key results. And so they would have these objectives for each division. And then you'd come up with like five key results. And one of the key results, that you need to put in place now that are going to get you to your objective. And then every three months or so, they meet. I've put this together with my team. They already have it in the calendar to meet April 1st, but you know, I have it on my wall. What are the five things I need to do to get me to the numbers that I need to get to? And what, you know, I read the book. I thought it was fantastic. I think Intel, Google, Salesforce, Adobe, a bunch of different companies implemented this because, you know, you have some great companies and then you have some like Sony who, you know, had a Walkman that never, you know, branded itself and never competed with Apple because all the divisions didn't talk to each other. They go complacent and all that. You know, it's basically measuring your progress. Like you have to somehow, maybe that's not the, you know, for me, that was the compelling book that helped me achieve my numbers last year. I had numbers on the wall. I thought about it every day. And then uh, I put together five things that I thought I needed to do every day to get to there. Because you have to have small steps. You can't think of, the, you know, the larger, the larger goal you have to put together small ideas, put them together, make sure you're doing the right thing, change it if it doesn't work, 
and you can change it at the three month point because if you wait till the end of the year and you don't achieve it, then what good is it, right? So it's about measuring and then changing things along the way with shorter intervals to make sure you're going to hit what you want to hit to. And if you get to 70% of your goal, it's great. If the goal is a very high bar, right? So it's basically, you know, at three months time, I measure every uh, key result and say, did I get to 70% of what I asked for? If I did, then I'm probably well on my way to getting to the number that I want. So did you hit your number that you had, your goal that you had for last year? Was your- yeah, I did. I did. That was my number. Nice. That's awesome. I I, remember the book that I still do the major definite purpose every morning. Right. Last year, my major major definite purpose was 30 million. This year I changed it, but I still do it every day. I ran out of that book. The book you provided, I ran out of it. Now I use another one. Right. So I'm going to have you back on the show when you get to like, you know, maybe the 60 or 90 million and we'll have you back in and see what new things you've learned and, so here's my last question for you. And so this is a new question that I've come up with recently. I just kind of like hearing what people have to say about this. So if let's say somebody said, Hey, I got a hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to give you a check for a hundred K, but you have to invest in your business. What would you do with it to get the biggest return? If I had that, I would hire the best underwriter that I could find. Right. I you're the, you're, the yeah, one I've only that... been started asking this question. And the last few people I've asked to have put it into team. It's kind of interesting. They're like, I would, I would build because yeah. the team allows you to scale. Right. It's hard to find good people. I think I found two. To get to the next level, you know, the the legends in our game, they have staff that can take over a file and and take it from A to Z once you've done the sale, right? Because I'm good at sales. Uh, I know my stuff. But uh, at some point, you got to relinquish control and give it to somebody that you trust. And so that's what I would do. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time today, man. And super pumped that you you know, blew your business up in the last year. And it's all about the daily disciplines that you're doing, you know, and just staying focused. So where can people find you online if anybody's looking looking for you? First of all, thanks for having me. You can find me at www.yourrateguy.ca. You may see me on Facebook too, but Y-O-U-R-R-A-T-E-G-U-Y.ca. And again, I want to thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Hey, Broker Nation. Thanks for checking out this episode with Dan. I loved his insight on do not have a plan B. And this whole idea that if you're one foot in, one foot out, you're actually out. And so if you really want to have success in your business, if you want to scale it like Dan did, go in with both feet, fully committed. Uh, And it's amazing what happens when you don't give yourself an out or another option. So also this episode is sponsored by Finmo. Finmo is Canada's fastest growing mortgage origination platform. This is according to Stats at Phylogics. A couple things I love about Finmo. First, the app is designed with the borrower in mind. They make it really easy for your client to fill out the application, which produces friction in the mortgage process. Nobody wants friction in a mortgage. Second, they make document collection really easy. They have smart docs, which as the client fills out the app, it starts to intelligently know what things to ask for. And when the client hits submit, it actually app, it sends them a request. Here's what we need. I'm um, talking to some of our clients who've been using it and they literally, they'll have a full file complete in less than 24 hours from the time the person fills it out and all the documents. Finally, they recognize that mortgage brokers all run their businesses differently. So they built Finmo to integrate with Zapier, which means you can literally connect Finmo to anything. It's a universal adapter. Check out Finmo. Go to finmo.ca slash Scott. That's finmo.ca slash Scott to sign up. You receive a 30-day free trial of Finmo Pro. They have amazing customer support. Finmo is the skip the dishes of mortgages. 